Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 86. This podcast is sponsored by Generation UCAN, the smarter energy nutrition that's powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first order. That's generationucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Listeners of the Breaking the Barrier podcast can now also enjoy a 10% discount on these Spartan races. All you have to do is go to spartanrace.com.au and enter any race that you want and enter the code Breaking the Barrier upon checkout when entering for that race and you will receive 10% off. That's spartanrace.com.au and use the coupon code Breaking the Barrier. All right, everybody, welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. My name is Andrew. My name's Zach, Sitius Altius Fortius. This is the podcast that helps you to go faster, higher, and stronger than you ever thought possible. That's right, this week we're talking Olympics in honor of the postponed Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Wait, mm. so wait, what did you say in the beginning? What was that? Sitius Altius Fortius. It means. Sitius, as in Star Wars? Darth no, Sidious. no, Sitius oh. with a C I T, Sitius. Yeah, it's uh, Latin for faster, four. higher, stronger. The motto of the Olympics. Why didn't you do what... it in Greek? I would have been more impressed if you did it in Greek. I can do it with a really insulting Greek accent, but um, it's <laughs> Maybe probably don't. not what we want. I'm <laughs> being fair. completely honest. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's funny. Okay, cool. Yeah, rock on. Yeah. So, so wait, so, what, 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 did it, what did it mean again? Sorry? It means faster, higher, stronger. Okay, it's as if cool. these aren't in the show notes that I sent you, Andrew. It's... Are they? I don't know. I, dude, oh, there they are. Do you think but I you know what? with this stuff on the fly? All I do, dude, I just put in my stuff. I don't read your stuff unless you specifically tell me, read this. And, and you didn't say that. You didn't say read the Latin. So I didn't do it. Listeners, we teased last week that we were going to do a whole bunch of research for this episode. Obviously, that didn't translate into preparation and alignment. Um, but no. that's fine. We no. think we've got a good one for you. We did do a lot of research between the two of us. We, we've got some really awesome facts, milestones, figures, uh, and a lot of cool moments of the Olympics over the last, basically, couple thousand years, really. Yeah, <laughs> so. so what we're going to do is, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the Olympics. We're going to run through, in honor of, you know, when we put this episode up, what should have been the closing ceremony for the Japan Olympics, which are now postponed. Yep. We're going to go back and remember a lot of the moments from I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's it's amazing when you start going through the history of the Olympics, how many great moments there have been. And we've just limited ourselves to sort of things that have happened on the track um, yeah. in most cases. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's so like in my personal research, when I was looking up this stuff, there's so much stuff that I really wanted to talk about. But, you know, it, I, I thought maybe we could do this in a two part episode because but then I was like, oh, let's just let's just keep it there. And if we want to revisit, we can. But man, there's so much cool stuff that's happened over the over the course of the Olympics, and the Olympiad. It's just amazing. Yeah. So what that means is, listeners, at some point you are going to get upset with us because we've forgotten something that's near and dear to your heart. And when that yeah. happens, make sure you jump on Breaking the Barrier social media, be it Instagram at Breaking the Barrier Podcast, Facebook at Breaking the Barrier Podcast, or our Facebook community. Uh, which is in groups forward slash breaking the barrier running and let us know which Olympic moment did we not talk about enough or probably miss completely. Absolutely. And that raises a good point. Yeah. If, you, if there's ever, ever anything that you want us to talk about, just, just shoot us up um, there. Hit us up. Don't shoot us up. That's very different. Yeah. Um, don't do that. 
<laughs> so uh, there's actually, uh, speaking of uh, different social media platforms, uh, I'm going to start putting the our, our episodes up on YouTube. So Zach and I have been recording the last couple of episodes on Zoom. So you're going to be able to see the video. If you have ever wanted to see our pretty faces, this is going to be your chance. I don't have the, uh, the URL yet, the link, uh, but probably within the next week or so, I'll set it up and you'll see at least the last couple of episodes up there on YouTube if you ever want to try a different medium listening to the podcast. And just a great way to comment, talk about what you want, you know, give us a like, give us a, uh, give us a subscribe when, when I give you the link. Yeah, if you ever want to see Andrew's face go through a gamut of emotions as he sort of goes, what's Zach talking about? And then starts to panic because I go close to something that we probably shouldn't be talking about. And then the wave of relief that comes over here when we steer away from a train wreck, YouTube will finally give you all that. Totally, totally. We're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> so what that means is that there might be a YouTube community, but what we always do as we start off the episode is give a shout out to people in the Facebook community who have been going above and beyond what they ever thought possible. That's right. So we're going to do that now. So we're going to start off right away with AJ. So AJ, basically, okay, so actually before I get into that, uh, I posed a question in the Facebook community. What, you know, with everything that's negative right now in the world, what are the good things that you're looking forward to? What are the good things in your life? Because I think that's a really important thing to focus on while there's so much bad stuff happening. You've got to look at the good. So I posed this question in in the Facebook community and we got a, a few answers back, starting with AJ. So AJ had this to say, my niece is getting married in September and I can't wait, which is amazing that, you know, it's great when you can have the families come together. So, uh, so fun fact, spoiler alert, uh, I think this is the first time that AJ's posted in the group. He's actually Yay. my, yeah, he's my uncle. Oh, he's uncle my, AJ. yeah, yeah. Um, basically, so long story short, he is my grandfather's son, but uh, that's from a different marriage than my grandfather with my grandmother. So my grandparents got divorced, grandfather remarried, had AJ, so he's like half uncle, I think. I think we call that always... a long story long. Dude, you want to hear a long story? I'll give you a long story. <laughs> welcome, AJ. <laughs> yes, welcome, AJ, and, and thank you so much for, for posting. Um, really, really glad to see you in the community. Uh, Robert had this to say. Robert said... I closed on my house yesterday, and now I live in a beautiful new one with my partner. Beautiful. That's, awesome. That's amazing to me that people are still able to do anything with real estate right now. Yeah, um, I know. Being able to have the mindset to be able to focus on something like that and make a big investment uh, in your future and everything, and that feeling like scary mortgage, but also security. I've got a house. It's something that I own. and Yeah, that's great. New start, just new start, new life, new memories to make, and... Uh, Hopefully we leave some of the memories of 2020 behind. Yeah. <laughs> so so Steve Frazier, who we spoke about last week on the episode, who did the Appalachian Trail, he also posted again this week in terms of things that are making him feel good. And it was, I'm finally getting into shape and have my first baby due one and a half months before my first race. Definitely thankful. Amazing. Well done, Steve. It is always a great feeling, that feeling of expectation where you're sitting there going, have I done enough? Am I ready for that next race? And so knowing you've got that race on the calendar, you know, in a couple of months time, that's fantastic. Yeah. Really keep focusing on that. That's what I took from your message there is the, the key takeaway was focusing yeah. on the next race. Yeah. And, you know, it's just great that you're able to get in, sh get in shape during this time as well. There's so many out there that I'm sure are wishing that they were doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, congratulations on, on your first baby. That's Yeah, that's, that's kind of the point. Milestone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's well done. Oh, you were being you were joking and I missed it over yeah. my head. Okay, cool. That's why you need to be on the YouTube people to see that yeah. happen. <laughs> that blank stare of my Zach just went right over the baby thing and took cool. I'm I'll, a jaded you know, I'm parent, a, so you I'm know. gonna go. I'm <laughs> nice. So congratulations, Stephen, on all of that. Yes. Uh, Angela had this to say in the Facebook community. Uh, Angela said, gardening, river floats, time spent with my family, outdoor movie theaters, and summer skies. So that's what Angela's looking forward to, the good things in her life right now. That's amazing. I love an outdoor movie theater. Mm. I'm going to assume she's in the Northern Hemisphere because whilst it was a yes. beautiful day today in Melbourne, it was cold. Uh, so yeah. I don't think, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that they'd be open either. No. there's one over in the Botanical Gardens somewhere. I've been there. That was really yes. cool. They sometimes do that yeah. in summer, absolutely, but not right mm. now. Not they right can't now. Do anything? No. No. Someone no, who so. can do something though is a long-term uh, friend of the community, Dean. So Dean, who lives out of Melbourne, I believe, uh, still in Victoria, but further away. Uh, I took my new trail shoes for a play in the bush this morning. You can't get much gooder than that. <laughs> I agree. And he posted a photo. It looked like he'd actually taken the trail shoes out for a walk yeah. and just posed them discreetly uh, or scenically in front of some backgrounds there. So hopefully he wore them as well. Pretty cool photo, actually. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like the, because they were a pair of hokas and I feel like that's an advertising shot for Hoka. So you should send that into uh, Hoka there, Dean. Maybe they'll use it. We take 10%. Oh, absolutely. Of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, there you go. And, and and finally, Jennifer had this to say. I'm blessed to be able to homeschool all four of my kids this fall. I'm also able to keep up with my running, even though I have to get up super early to get my miles in every day. It's all about the little things, but blessed with what you have and be happy for those who have more than you be blessed with what you have sorry uh but amazing message amazing message um great attitude i'm not sure i would consider myself blessed to be homeschooling so anyone who can turn that into a positive jennifer i think uh, is definitely going above and beyond what i think is possible so well done yeah so thanks to everyone who shouted out in the community about what is good right now look forward to featuring more of you in episodes in the future um Andrew, what have you been doing? I think you, before we jump into the Olympics thing, had a particular interaction with Simon the other day as you went to the shopping center. What was that all about? Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Um, so I went to uh, Cole. I think we talked about uh, how I, my Coles is in the Werribee Plaza. I was there the other day, and I'm walking to Coles, and apparently this is the same one that Simon uses. And I'm walking and I just see this body sort of stop off to my side and start staring me down. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I look over and it was just interesting because all I saw was his eyes, but I knew right away it was Simon, you know, because he's just Simon. uh, For those of you who don't know, Simon's just got these really gentle eyes. Um, He's just a kind hearted dude. And you just know when when he's around. Right. He's got an awful sense of humor. I was about to suggest, did you know it was him because he was yelling obscenities at you across the supermarket floor? Or... Yeah. Um, yeah. So Simon Simon makes makes a lot of fun 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 jokes. But, but Simon had, also uh, we... always wears a hat. So if he's got the yeah. hat on and the mask, it is kind of like I've... he's got the ninja thing. Yeah. I have never seen the top of Simon's head ever. He doesn't have one. Not I don't think fact. he does. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay, the hat cool. screws it's... on like a, like a Lego one. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, yeah, it's weird. I've never... And I was thinking about, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking about that while I was talking to him 
when I should have been paying attention to what he was saying, I was thinking, I've never seen the top of your head. Um, <laughs> so I was like, does he have hair? I don't know. Yes. Um, he has but a, yeah, it was just, a little bit of hair. Yeah. I, does he? Yeah. Is it, what is it, red, blonde? What is it? I, I feel like he's blondie. blonde. Yeah, he's blonde. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's kind of like a so boss baby. Was, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was an interesting conversation. We were only there for about five minutes, you know, we did the, uh, you know, the elbow bump and everything. Um, and we you know we were just checking up on each other. How you doing? Great. And it was just interesting. We were both talking about, you know, the state of things, obviously, and just what we're doing to stay positive. And the, the, the sort of message that came out from what we were talking was just like, look, we can't control what's going on. So we got to focus on the stuff that we can. And he was talking about his fitness, his running, you know, staying as active and as normal as possible because it's not normal right now. But the things that we can control, we should so that we can feel like it's it's not as dire as it maybe is. Yeah. And it was just really interesting the way that he phrased it, you know, just control what you can, do what you can uh, rather than focusing on the stuff that you can't and focusing on everything that's wrong. I, I thought it was really, it was just a really good conversation. And it was great to catch up with them. It's funny, the only people that I have run into during lockdown outside of, uh, outside of my house, other than Andy and Maria, if I, you know, drop them off, uh, drop groceries off of them while they were in the lockdown and everything, yeah. um, was, has been uh, Simon and Shani. That's it. Shani I saw at one Coles over in Tarnit. Simon at the other one in the plaza. Well, they know and that you go to both of those coals, so they've obviously split up to make sure they've got coverage. So whichever yeah. one you go to, if you start going to Woolies, it'll just completely mess with them. They'll have to get a third person in to start marking you. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess I guess that would be that would be the only logical step to take. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, because I saw Simon was out this morning um, doing a run. I think he did the the not park run, which is instead of running um, park run, we go and we run a 5K run and then you post it as a not park run score. And so he went out and ran to his not park run course, did a not park run and then ran home again. So he's definitely out there, you know, clocking yeah. up 10Ks he's, in the run. Oh, dude, he's still smashing it. I mean, it's like I know you hate Strava and all that stuff, but every now – like I don't really check it for my own stuff anymore. Uh, I don't really – give a shit um about my own stuff on strava like i'm not obsessed with it anymore i just kind of like you kind of went cold turkey i didn't delete my account but i will go on there and check what other people are doing because that's the stuff i care about yeah. um but yeah it's it's great to see how many people are staying as active as basically ever um it's amazing it's amazing to me it's great and um, yeah so well done everyone in the community well done everyone who we see or don't see just know that we're all still thinking of you and we get so much out of whenever you share something with us and, and post something um Absolutely. something also that also that inspires us um is you know looking back over the accomplishments of some of the great athletes that have competed in the olympics over the last hundred plus years and that's what we're going to talk about now um totally i guess the tokyo olympics which were meant to happen now, I mean, they were originally now. scheduled to take place between the 24th of July and the 9th of August. Um, they were the 32nd Olympiads, and they have been postponed. They were postponed back in March 2020 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I remember some of the early episodes we had, 
Andrew, before we knew anything about COVID and were, you know, making assumptions about what was going to happen and what wasn't going to happen. The Olympics was a big thing that we were thinking about was how was yeah. that going to be affected? And by the time March rolled around, which feels like forever ago now. I know, um, it does, right? It, it was shifted. So um, it will be held in 2021. Um, and even though it's going to be in 2021, they're still going to call it Tokyo 2020 probably because they've printed a lot of yeah, marketing I mean, materials. The, the marketing materials that have went into that, millions, I reckon, yeah. and just you're not going to change it. Somewhere <laughs> there is a warehouse with like 50,000 T-shirts with Tokyo 2020 oh, on yeah. it. They're, they're sticking yeah. with that. Um, yeah. And this is the first time that the Olympic Games have been postponed rather than cancelled. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we run through the history of That's the right. Olympic Games. But yeah. um, they have been cancelled before. And we'll talk they have about been cancelled twice before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which so, we'll so, get into. So you started researching the Olympics. So, so, so Andrew has researched the Olympics chronologically. And so he's got some stuff um, to talk about year by year. I went a little different. I've picked out um, off the top of my head. I thought about the top 10 moments on the athletics track. I tried to limit it to things that happen on the track that sort of resonated with me. And so as Andrew runs through his sort of list of memories or milestones he's taken out of the Olympics, I'll jump in with the things that I really resonated with that were my top 10. The fun thing for you listeners is that Andrew's chronological order does not line up with my top 10 order, so I'll be jumping all over the place. But at the end, I'll recap in order what I thought my top 10 were. There was a little bit of uh, definitely uh, emotional abuse towards Zach over Messenger the other day when he was like, yeah, mine aren't mine aren't um, chronological. I was like, ah, okay, well, you're not worth anything. Well, um, that's see, how that conversation went. When I said we'll do an episode on the top 10 moments on the track in Olympics, I didn't think you meant years. And then you went I meant, like 20 dude, I meant years as well. Right from the start, man. <laughs> all right. Well, well, let's go all the way back to the start. All right. Let's do it. So, okay. Starting off, 776 BC. So don't worry. I'm not going to go every four years from that time. <laughs> Seven hour episode. Which is uh, a pity because 324 BC was a banger. From what I oh, that was yeah. a good year. Good yeah. year. Uh, so 776 BC, that uh, in the Greek city of state of Ellis, that marks the first officially recorded Olympics. It's believed, though, that the Olympics were at least 500 years old at this point. Uh, now, initially, it was only foot races, uh, but later they uh, the events included wrestling, boxing, chariot racing, which is cool, yeah. mil and military competitions. I, 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 I don't know what military comp I couldn't find too much about that, but I'm assuming some kind of strategy sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe like um, war, capture the flag war games or... Like paintball, you know, you know. Or spear, <laughs> you know thingies mm. yeah i don't know and that would have been all nude as well like back then the athletes used to yeah. compete in the nude yeah uh, yeah so wrestling was definitely a yeah that that would have been a lot of fun um mm. so it's just it's amazing how far <laughs> we've come i'm so glad that it's not nude anymore yes. but yeah <clears throat> a chariot racing is definitely something i think they should bring back <laughs> yeah. well i think peter might have something to say about that because i'm not sure the chariot racing was that great for the horses oh that's a good point well neither, yeah. neither is horse racing in general we could do it with um cars mad max yeah. it or male athletes could pull female athletes in the chariots done yeah i'll write a letter just Boom. brainstorming no about no bad ideas in brainstorming yeah none except for ours uh, so then flash forward a couple of thousand years yep um, so now we are in 1896 uh, so that was the first modernized Olympics held in Athens, Greece. Uh, and so that was basically organized by the International Olympic Committee created by Pierre de Coubertin. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Don't know. 
Coubertin. I have no idea. Yeah, 14 nations folks, and... We are going to mispronounce a lot oh, of names over the course of this episode. Totally. So just buckle in. Yeah. So don't, so, don't, so don't send us messages of hate. Thank you very much. Um, 14 nations took place in this event, uh, this Olympiad. 241 athletes were all male, all male athletes. They were all European, with the exception of the USA. The winners at this time actually received a silver medal, while runners-up received a copper medal. I'm assuming that had to do with money yeah. uh, and the cost of gold. And it, They were later <clears throat> apparently changed over to gold medals, but uh, yeah, interesting fun fact. Only 241 athletes. I mean, some of the countries these days send that many athletes on their own. Yeah. So, the, you know, the Americans and the the Russians and China, like their fields in the last couple of Olympians have been bigger than the entire first modern Olympics, which is just crazy. Mm. It's so incredible how much it's grown. Fast forward to 1900, and that it, it takes place in Paris, France. For the first time, women could actually compete in the Olympics. So basically couple thousand years onward uh, after four years after the first official we finally have allowed women to compete in the olympics which is great when you think about and you'll see this we'll talk about it over the course of the next hour or so the timing that's taken for women's events to actually find their way into the olympics but oh. it only took them four years it was the second olympics that they went yeah. let's get women involved and yeah. so that was great it shows that the world can move quickly when it has yeah. to and when something's so <clears throat> bloody obvious which is just you know let them compete yeah exactly exactly mm -hmm. Fast forwarding to 1916, the Olympic Games that were set for Berlin is the first Olympic Games, are the first Olympic Games to be canceled due to World War One. It's important to note that in 1940 and 1944, so sorry, uh, the Olympics have been canceled three times. They were canceled mm. due to World World War Two. Mm. So there you go. And 1916, I feel like, is that not the same year also as the Spanish flu? Possibly, yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, I, I think, think it was uh, right around that time or seventeen. Well, 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 yeah, World War One was um, where I think we spoke about in one of the earlier COVID uh, yeah. episodes where influenza started to spread the most because for the first time ever we had a whole bunch of people together, which was fighting sure. in the trenches. But then when people got sick, they were removed from the trenches, and suddenly influenza could travel great different distances uh, yeah. around the world as the troops moved around Europe. Um, so yeah, I think it was probably around that time that the Spanish flu was quite prevalent. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, uh, almost, uh, basically, a little bit over a hundred years since the last, uh, since the first one canceled, yep. we postponed this year due to something similar. So that's interesting. Yeah. There you go. Uh, 1924, Chamonix, France, the first official Winter Olympics. There you go. So for a long time, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics were held in different <clears throat> places, obviously, but in the same year. Um, yeah. Now, this is where, when I was thinking about, and this is where I did a bit of research, uh, this is where my number 10 in my top 10 track moments comes in because yep. it was during this period of time that the Finnish distance runner Paavo Nermi, who competed between 1920 and 1928 over three Olympics, won 12 medals, including nine gold medals, and he is still the best all-time performing track and field athlete at the Olympic Games. So no other athlete has ever won more medals on the track than Finnish distance runner Paavo Nermi. And that includes people like Carl Lewis, Usain Bolt. Um, the best performing female athlete is the US sprinter Alison Felix, and she's also won nine medals. Amazing. Amazing. That, that, do you know, for me, when, 
when I think of an Olympic athlete, like I'm thinking, dude, you get your gold medal. Hmm. These, these these people aren't just, they don't settle for a gold medal. They're like, dude, if we're going to do it, I'm going to go get more, Yeah. which they're then, so hungry, which amazes me. And, and I think we obviously see it in the pool. Like I think some of the guys in the pool have won upwards of 20 Olympic medals because they can compete yeah. in so many different races. Whereas yeah. I think the, you know, the track obviously impacts the body a little bit differently. So getting into mm -hmm. the double digits is, is quite hard to do. Very amazing. Uh, 1928, Amsterdam, Netherlands, uh, Amsterdam, Netherlands. The first year women were allowed to compete in track and field. After observing, though, the exhaustion from a few of the competitors after the 800-meter races, officials prohibited women from running races longer than 200 meters until 1960, so 32 years later. That's, that's interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I Sorry. I was going to say, uh, if you've ever done any research about the marathon, for a long time, women were prohibited from competing in the yeah. marathon as well because right. it was thought that they were too delicate or unable to cope with the physical stress. Uh, and yeah. ironically, it's showing to be proven that once you start to get to ultra long distance running, women might actually have an advantage. Uh, yeah. So well done, Olympics. Four years after the first modern one, you got <clears throat> women in. Not so good Olympics, taking them away from anything longer than a 200 meter race for 32 years. That's a bit awkward. Well done. Mm. Moving forward into 1936, so that was the year that Berlin finally got its Olympics. Now, this was a tricky time because the Olympics at that time were organized by none other than Adolf Hitler. So that was, of course, during the reign of the Nazi party. And what he wanted to do was use those Olympics as an event, as a way to spread his Nazi propaganda. Now... Thankfully, he experienced a bit of a mental defeat when Jesse Owens, an African-American runner, won gold medals in the 100, 200, and 4 times 100 meter distances and set a world record in the long jump, 200 meter, and the 4 times 100 meter distances. So, in your face, Hitler. Just an amazing moment of, and I think especially poignant with what's going on in the world today, just yeah. in terms of fighting for equality, fighting against tyranny and discrimination. Um, I had this as an equal number three, um, along with something we'll talk about in a, in a little bit, what happened in Mexico City. Um, okay. where the American sprinters stood up. I think any time that the Olympics... And the Olympics is such a metaphor for not just what's happening in the world of sports at the time that they occur, but also for the world of politics as well. And so I think in 1936 and 1968, you know, we saw some real swings against racism and discrimination be made. And, and Jesse Owens is, you know, probably more famous now uh, for what he actually represented at that Berlin Olympics than what he actually did in the event. I'm sure a yeah. lot of people, um, I honestly didn't know that he had competed in the long jump in 1936. Yeah. I knew that he'd no, ran yeah. and I assumed that he'd won, but. And, and to be honest, the only reason that I knew is there's a film, I can't remember off the top of my head what the name of the film was, but it's about that, the 1936 Olympics and about Jesse Owens and just an incredible story. Mm. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, you ask anybody who is Jesse Owens, and if they can probably tell you what he did in terms of what he stood for, but maybe they won't be able to tell you the distances that he covered. So that's an interesting part to me as well. Yeah, it's when sometimes sometimes when someone does something so important, it transcends their athletic accomplishments, mm. and this is definitely yeah. what Jesse did in 1936. And you know what? I think that that's, I'm, it couldn't have happened at a better time for. Yep. Hitler to be proven wrong in such a spectacular way. Yeah. 
So, speaking of Hitler and World War II, we move on to 1940 and 1944. The uh, Olympics, the Olympics were canceled due to World War II. Yeah, no postponement, I, just flat out canceled. And I think I remember looking and seeing that originally they were intended to be held in, of all places, Japan and Italy. So right. two countries that were fighting on the sides of the Axis um, yeah. during that World War as well. So because the Olympics are obviously planned out several years in advance, you don't just decide sure. on the year where they're going to be done. And so yeah. we had Germany, Japan and Italy, ironically, as the Olympic hosts for three years in a row. And, and two of those were just flat out canceled because of World War Two. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Hmm. Just, uh, just the 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 history with the olympic games is just so riddled with amazing things like when you look at some of the things that have happened in the world you wonder how they even just the olympics didn't just kind of yeah. dissipate at at some point yeah. uh heading into 1948 first Olymp uh, olympics is held in switzerland after world war ii and that was the winter Games. so we're back in we're back on and schedules happening in london the uh, Bob Mathias for the Summer Games becomes the youngest track athlete to win the decathlon. He was 17 years old. The Moving decathlon. into night. Sorry. Do you, do, do you count the decathlon as a as a track event? I mean, it's kind of it's a bit of running, it's a bit of jumpy type stuff. Yeah, it's, it's I all think, over the place. They're amazing I, I think athletes, they, but yeah, I, I think they classify it as track and field, sort of, kind of, because it is just kind of that. Like, it's I mean, track it's all and that. field, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like all that stuff. Um, 17 but now we have uh athletes regularly younger than that which yeah, is exactly. which is amazing to me um 1952 we move into finland now emil sadepek i've mentioned him on the podcast before i've mentioned this quote if you want to run run a mile if you want to change your life run a marathon emil sadepek becomes the only person to ever win the 5000 meter 10000 meter or 5 and 10k and the marathon in the same olympiad that's incredible. Now, that's incredible to me because you you think today you you don't necessarily a, a strong five k runner is generally not a strong marathon like they're in two different events they don't yes. really cross over. A so marathon just, runner can run a fast five k, but you would never think that they would be at an Olympic level. An Olympic level no. is the best of the best of the best. It's just yeah. it's incredible. I mean, to think that it has never been done since. Is incredible to think that it was even yeah. done in the first place. If you have been in and around running for any period of time, you'll just realize how hard that is to actually do. Mm. Just yeah, just crazy. Uh, moving into 1956 in Melbourne, Australia. Shout out, <clears throat> Barry Cuthbert becomes uh, known as the Golden Girl of the Olympics, the first Australian to win three gold medals in one Olympiad, and the only athlete to win the 100, 200, and 400 meter gold at the Olympic. Games. Yeah, the I think the Melbourne Olympics is still held up in Australian folklore as one of the great things that we ever did. And I know that when Sydney held the Olympics in 2000s, there was a lot of pressure, I think, to live up to what Melbourne had done, especially with you know having Betty Cuthbert be there as such a pinnacle for the Games. But we'll hear about in 2000, we kind of had a repeat of that moment with a lightning rod athlete for the host country as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... Moving into 1960, women are allowed, uh, staying on the female track, mm. women are allowed to compete in speed skating for the first time. So starting in the Winter Olympics, starting to get the, the equality come in there as well. 
That's it. And this is when now, the women would have been allowed to run longer, finally, than 200 yeah, meters. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good point. So uh, mm. the uh, longer than 200 meters comes into play. Uh, moving into much longer than 200 meters into the marathon, Ethiopian runner, uh, runner uh, Abebe Bikila, wins the marathon. But get this, ladies and gentlemen, he wins it barefoot. That's nice. <laughs> that's absolutely that's nice. I mean, I think in every marathon I've ever done, uh, I've, I mean, I've only done three, four, three, uh, but in each one, I've always seen somebody running barefoot, but There's they're not a fast guy. runner. Yeah. yeah. They're not a fast runner by any means. Like nobody's gonna, no, no serious athlete you would think would be running this thing barefoot, but this dude won it barefoot. Yeah. I'm sure people can run the marathon barefoot in a competitive time, but not competitive at an Olympic level. I mean, this is the thing. No. This is absolutely incredible to win it. Um, I mean, shoe technology back in 1960, very different to what we have now, but still well, yeah. better than barefoot. I mean, 1960, that, that's, I think 1960 is when, or 1961 or something, that's when Nike was first developed, I think, out of, yeah. the, you know, two two guys selling shoes out of, the, out of their truck. And, uh, you know, that's when foot injuries and injuries from running all started. So I wonder what the correlation there is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so moving on to 1964, and this is something that you've got. Look at that. Yeah, so 1964 was when we were last in Tokyo, Japan, for an Olympics. Um, mm. And this is where a baby Bikula becomes the first person to win the men's Olympic marathon twice. So after winning it in 1960, he wins it again in 1964. And ironically, Amazing. this is also the last Summer Olympics to use a cinder running track for the athletic events. So after this, they switch to a more technical, more modern rubber composite track that you see C in athletics tracks today. Do you mean like cinder, like cinder block cinder? Yeah, like little little tiny bits of wood. So before that, yeah. they were running on like little cinder wood track type things because okay, they were soft and they were compressed. Uh, this was the last time they did that at the Olympics. They moved to the synthetic okay. material after this. So not like fire cinders and not like running on fire coals and no, stuff? No, hopefully not. <laughs> Unless you you're imagine? running really fast. That's the Olympic uh, event that I want to see. <laughs> fire walking. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Moving on to 1968, uh, Mexico City, Mexico. American sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos finish first and third in the 200-meter dash. And on the podium, they raise their fists in respect and support of the Black Freedom Movement, which, of course, is very, very um, poignant today with everything that's going on. Um, that was one of the first, that was one of the first, I think, uh, stands uh, for that movement, which I think is incredible. Uh, amazing, amazing photos of it online if you ever get a chance to Google it. The photo is incredible. Um, I mean, I think Jesse Owens back in 1936 did it with his performance on the track. Tommy and John did it with a symbol of protest on the, on the podium. Um, mm. I just could not split that and Jesse in my top 10 moments in terms of the impact that they had. I think they are, they are up there in the top three, both of them, of, of significant track moments and ironically oh, jesse's was the performance on the track was impressive this is mm -hmm. what they did afterwards the fact that they won um the you know the the races they competed in was is actually irrelevant and i think they were stripped yeah. of their medals later as well i think they were too I, I think i remember reading that which is an absolute shame did they did they maybe did they later on reinstated i believe reinstate them yeah yeah because there was an australian um who was actually finished second in that race and he yeah. didn't do the the black fist protest but he wore a badge and the interesting True. thing is that both tommy and john if you look at the photo they're each raising a different fist because they had one pair of black gloves before them between them so one put on a right black glove 
one put on a left black glove, and they held okay. up a right hand and a left hand each. Uh, oh, okay. Very interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, moving into 1972, Munich. Now, I don't remember this one. Did, was this yours? This is mine. I'll chuck this one in. So we're okay. back in Germany in 1972, and finally after World War One being cancelled and 1936 being Hitler's coming out party and then World War Two cancelling everything, Germany gets a chance to do the 20th Olympics right, and it didn't really go that well. Um, the Munich Olympics, known for what happened when eight Palestinian Black September terrorists uh, kidnapped mm. 11 Israelis in the Olympic Village, uh, and ultimately they killed all of them, and, and five of the terrorists were, were killed as well. So the event went on uh, under those terrible circumstances. The, the Olympics, it's a place where everyone in the world comes together. It has the eyes of the world of it, and that means, uh, you know, when things happen, they are... It is attractive to people who are wanting to make a protest. In some cases in, of Tommy and John, who we just spoke about, the protest was for good things. In this case, um, the Palestinian the Israeli conflict spilled over into that, that actual event. That's just, uh, you know, I, I, it just, it breaks my heart when, I mean, it breaks my heart when any, any, any of this stuff kind of happens, but to, it just an extra added thing, you know, when you, when you, destroy an event like this when people have been working in some cases their entire lives to get to it mm. it's you know it's it's really it really is heartbreaking and you know you're you're, you're yeah you just thoughts go out to those people uh on the track what happened was uh something was notable so in the 100 meters event uh it was actually ran without the favorites and current world champions so the american sprinters eddie hart and ray robinson were they were basically, they were scheduled to run in a qualifying heat to make the 100 metres final. And it was expected that they would win comfortably. In fact, they were the favourites for the overall event. But somehow their American sprint coach, a gentleman by the name of Stan Wright, had been given the wrong starting time. And what happened is that uh, Eddie Ray and another athlete by the name of Robert Taylor were at uh, ABC television headquarters and they were watching what they thought were replays of the morning's heats and realized in real time as they saw their names there with you know disqualified that they were actually watching footage of the heat that they were meant to be in so they went racing through the olympic village to try and get to the heats um didn't make it the, the third athlete robert taylor had to take off his warm-off jacket like literally seconds before getting into the blocks and the, and the gun going to fire the heat there was an enormous protest about it uh but unfortunately they were they were not able to compete and so um that's a, a notable event where you actually didn't have the best in the world there and they say if it had been uh something a little bit different probably would have been a different result in that event with one of eddie or ray probably taking the whole thing out yeah wow uh, and wow. also what happened in 1972 for myself as a basketball fan, I know it's not on the track, but the USA lost to the Soviet Union in the most controversial game in international basketball history, where the end of the game was actually replayed three times until the Soviets won. Uh, really? Then, yes, it was, yeah. Uh, the USA team refused their silver medals, and those silver medals remain in a vault in Switzerland to this day. Uh, they have just refused to take them. Wow. Fair enough. Got to stick with your morals. Moving on, 1976. Uh, this one, I believe, is one of yours as well. Yes, also in Montreal in Canada. So Lasse Veren of Finland in 1976 repeated in the 5,000 and 10,000 metres. So he became the first athlete to go back-to-back. -back. So he, in 1972 in Munich, Lasse won the 5,000 and the 10,000. 
And then in 1976, he repeated in those events. Now that's been done a couple of times, I believe since yeah. then, but that was the yeah. first time it had happened. Amazing. I, again, going back to what I said before, how hungry these athletes are. I just did this in 1972. Do you know what? Maybe at the next one, I'll go back and do it again. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. Uh, moving on to 1980, Moscow or Moscow, depending on where you are in the world, Soviet Union, go for it. So uh, this was one known for the race between Britain's Steve Ovett and the world record holder Sebastian Coe. So Steve Ovett was a uh, was a was a runner who thought that he had quote a 90% chance of winning the 1500 meters. Um, he was very, very boastful after he'd won the 800 metres earlier in the Olympics and he beat the world record holder, Sebastian Coe, and he was convinced that he would not only win the 1500 metres race, but he would beat the world record by up to four seconds, which was a massive um, takedown. He'd won 45 straight 1500 metres races since May 1977, and Sebastian wow. Coe had only competed in eight 1500 metre races to that date. Um, and what happened is that Co won the race with a dramatic finish in the final lap. And Ovid, uh, with his 90% chance of winning, according to him, um, actually finished third. So he didn't even finish silver. Uh, he finished Whoa. third. Yeah. Talk about an upset. Look at that. Moving on to 1984, Los Angeles, USA. Joan Benoit Samuelson wins the marathon with a time of 2 hours, 24 minutes, and 52 seconds. Now, when I did the research on this, I thought, I misread it. It was seven, she had surgery actually 17 days before the Olympic trials, what I read it as 17 days before the marathon itself. So I don't know if she took part in the tri uh, in the trials. I would assume not. No, she uh, did. She, she, she had to. So she did. Yeah, so she had to compete in the trials to qualify for the Olympics. So right. 17 days, 17 after, days surgery, after surgery. She, and then she, four, yeah, yeah. She, she then, won the Olympic trials in a time of two hours, 31. And then three months later, she won the marathon in a time of two hours twenty-four. Okay, let's 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 talk about that for a second. Okay, you have a knee surgery, and two and a half weeks later, you're running a two thirty-one marathon. It's like, insane. Are you it's, kidding me? I, I I when I was researching for this podcast, this instantly became one of my top ten moments. I have this as number nine in my most impactful moments. Number Firstly, nine. Well, you this, must this, be really hard on these there's things. a lot of good stuff coming spoilers yeah um yeah fair enough this this was the first ever women's olympic marathon so they've never done the olympic yeah. marathon for women before this date so straight away being the first one is impactful but secondly to come back from the surgery that you spoke about is just insane third there's only three women who have gone faster than that so she won the olympics in the very first ever olympic marathon in 224 only three winners have ever gone faster than that over the next 32 years so it was flat out just a really good time coming less than four months after emergency knee surgery oh dude i i just i can't get over the fact that like two and a half weeks later she's running at all like much less a 231 marathon dude i stub my toe and i don't run for like seven months i put off going running if i feel hungry so yeah. yeah, it's just, it's incredible. She should be way more famous than she is. The fact that I had to, you know, sort of discover her is the beauty of doing a podcast like this because you get to learn so much stuff. Yeah. But also just, you know, that, that, is, a, that is an inspirational story. Also, yeah. I mean, I, sorry. I was going to say also probably another lesson again of runners are idiots who do stupid stuff when they're injured, like go and run yeah. marathons. 
Sometimes <laughs> it pays off. Sometimes it pays off. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to have heard about her through uh, Marathon Training Academy a couple of years ago. Had you? I just, I've, yeah, I, I've just been fascinated ever since because I think they did an episode. I don't think they interviewed her, but I'm pretty sure they did like an episode of uh, Milestone Moments and I think uh, Marathon Moments, that is. Uh, and, I'm pr- and this would have been in there. And I remember hearing that and I was just like, oh, man, that's insane. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Um, 1988, Seoul, South Korea. Take it away, number seven. So 1988, Seoul, South Korea. I think this is the first Olympics where I really start to remember stuff myself. So I would have been about nine years old at this point. Mm. And I remember two things um, from this Olympics. Uh, The first one was my number seven moment on the track is just everything to do with the female athlete Flojo, Florence Griffith Mm -hmm. Joyner, um, who is considered to be the fastest women athlete of all time. Um, she set an Olympic record at Seoul, South Korea, uh, in the 100 meter dash, running a 10.62. And she also ran a 21.34 in the 200 meters to win that event. And that is a world record that stands to this day. So it has not been beaten yet. Um, and she also won gold at the events in the 4x100 meter relay and then a silver in the 4x400. And that's really unusual because when you look at a lot of these athletes who do the 100, 200 meter double, they do do the 100 meter relay, but not a lot of them can go up to the 400. That's quite rare. So an yeah. absolutely dominant performance by Flojo, but she was known for her you know, big hair, big 80s hair, the long nails, the tight lycra. Yep. The, all the different um, eye makeup and everything. She was just a, an eye-catching, flashy, personal style who would have been, I think, beautifully at home today in the social media, Instagram, self-promoting type era. Um, she was That's ahead totally. of her time probably by about yeah. 30 years or so. Um, yeah. Of course, being a, a African-American woman who's drawing that much attention to her, there was a lot of backlash about that with a lot of people saying, hey, that's not what we want from our athletes. But she was yeah. you know, strong and confident uh, and, yeah. and sort of living her best life. Which but, is, uh, which is, I mean, that's the fact that there was backlash. I mean, this is only 30 years ago. That's really shitty. I mean, you know what? I, that sucks. I just, it's just amazing to me how far we've not come in the past, you know, however many millions of years that humans have been on the, or 6,000 years that the world existed. I'm not going to get into a religious debate with yeah. anybody, <laughs> but I, you know, I'll say right now, I believe in evolution, but, um, it's just amazing to me how far we've not come. Exactly. You know, in, in some ways we've come very far. In some ways we just haven't. Yeah, exactly. We just haven't. Um, but Seoul, South Korea, 1988, um, anything else could have happened on the track that year, but it was overshadowed by one of, you know, one of my top two, number two in terms of moments on the track in the Olympics. This was where Ben Johnson uh, ran his 9.79 for the 100 metres to beat Carl Lewis and then the world exploded. Uh, I just Mm. don't think you can understand listening to it 30 years later. This was the social media generation before we had social media. The amount of round the clock press coverage, the news articles, as it came out that he had tested positive to a banned substance and, you know, the suspicion going back over the years leading up to the Olympics and then the fallout from it. I mean, he was to see on the track, we had not seen a man look like him at the 100 meters track before. Um, no. We had Carl Lewis, who next to him looked like a very lean, very fine, almost like a gazelle type runner. And then Ben Johnson came out and he was just muscle power. Jacked explosive. as. Explosive. 
you know, yeah. just an absolutely phenomenal athlete. And 9.79 is a, if it had been official, is a world record that would have lasted for a long time. Oh, yeah. In the end, oh, it yeah. lasted for a couple of days. Which is insane. Um, you know, I used to think, uh, do you remember the movie Cool Runnings? Yes. Um, and there's a part where John Candy says, you know, there's a couple of these guys that can run the 110 seconds flat. I don't care who you are. That's lightning. And yeah. I never really understood. Like, I always thought, oh, 100 meters in 10 seconds. Surely that can't be too hard. And then I became a runner. And I realized just how shitty that is to try. It is incredibly <laughs> hard. I think my it's PB is so... like, like, trying to get on just like 18 seconds is tough. Um, yeah, dude. You know, it's ridiculous. It's incredible. But he was, I mean, I, I must have seen that footage of that 1998 100 meters finals a hundred times in my life. It is. It still gives me goosebumps today to see him, Ben Johnson, in the blocks. It looks like lightning is coming yeah. off him. He is just vibrating yeah, so much just, I tell you what, man, it's just incredible to watch. And it, again, if you have a chance to Google some of this stuff, just Google some of these guys running. It's just an amazing, their strides, their form, it's just incredible. It's, it's an art form to watch. It's beautiful Great. to watch. Hmm. Um, so there you go. Uh, 1992, Barcelona, Spain, which marks the last year that the Winter Olympics being held in the same year as the Summer Olympics as they shifted to alternate four-year cycles from 1994, which I believe wasn't... Go ahead. What? No, I was going to say, this isn't something that I looked up. I I think I just stole your fact. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Well, uh, honestly, nothing happened at 1992 Olympics for me. It was all about the dream team (laughs) in basketball. That's all I cared about. Like, you know... I I had a dream team jersey. Everyone had I remember those. Jersey. Yeah, dude, the red, white, and blue ones, those were cool. So I'm sure people um, did something exciting on the track in Barcelona, but Matt, whatever. You had I mean, yeah. Jordan Barkley and Magic Johnson on the same team. That's what we Oh, cared. dude. <laughs> That's that was that was it, man. Holy hell. Uh moving into 1996, funny uh personal for me, 1996 the Atlanta Georgia uh, Olympics. Uh this was the first uh, sort of apparel for the Olympics that I remember owning. I had the hat, I had a shirt, um, I had shorts uh, that all had the the logos on them, and I, I those were my favorite things at the time. Did you um, did so it have 19- the dorky mascot on it? No, I don't think so. It just it actually is really cool. It was like really epic and really. What was the mascot? Oh, it was some sort of stringy, springy type thing. Olympic mascots oh, are never bad. Yeah. And they're never good, I mean. Are never good. No. no never good. It's always bad. Except for, you know, in Sydney where we had just like the platypus and the koala and all that sort of stuff because we couldn't go too obscure. We just had to go straight down the line of Australiana with them. Yeah. They should have made all the Olympic rings into boomerangs. They probably should have, yeah. Um, Indeed. But 1996 Atlanta, yep. um, obviously quite sad because once again the olympics was a flashpoint um for a terrorist event or terrorist uh, impact uh the olympics they were bombed uh leaving two dead 111 injured Mm. tough time really tough time uh i just again it just breaks my heart you know when when people have you know when, when you think of an olympic athlete going to the uh olympics you just can imagine how excited they are I mean, I know that there's that um, culture in sports and young athletes, especially where it's all about that. It's all about that. Maybe they resent it. Maybe. But I'm sure that there are plenty of athletes out there that get to the Olympics and they're like, holy my God in heaven, I'm here. And to have it tarnished by something like that, just really sad. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of fallout, I think, from what was the circumstances behind that bombing, people getting... I remember there was a security guard who was uh, suspected for a longer period of time and he was sort of, you know, chased down. It was just, yeah. Uh, Again, one of those ones that kind of dominates what was happening out on on the track. And meanwhile, out on the track, we had Michael Johnson um, winning the 400-metre event and also establishing a new world record in the 200-metre event. And Michael Johnson, you were talking before, Andrew, about technique. He mm. radically changed the style of what we saw for running in those distance events. Um, I remember people talking about the fact that he was someone who was taking many, many more steps than runners of the time. I think yeah. he, he was like, you know, had increased the cadence of his steps by and 20%. Taking smaller so. steps too. Yeah. Lots of small steps. And he almost had like an upright running style where he was yeah. sitting in a running chair and it just looked so different. I think nowadays we kind of see it a lot more on the track, but Michael Johnson was revolutionary and to go out there and do that 200 400 and have the focus on he honestly he was a sane bolt before a sane bolt in my mind yeah we had that much impact at that event absolutely absolutely agree uh and it's interesting that that's now kind of like the accepted when you talk to somebody about running technique cadence is important smaller steps keeping your feet under your body really important to prevent injury very interesting um that that wasn't uh wasn't really the case until kind of recently when you think about it yeah, that was transformative for me. So I think I was at that point where I was starting to get into running a little bit. I would have been in my late teens at that point, and I was starting yeah. to run a little bit more. And so having these people break down, and you know what it's like with the Olympics, people take yeah. a little thing and turn it into four days' worth of news. To see yeah. this entire world just break down this, because people were saying that his running style would not work. They said there's no way he can win these events because you need to do these long strides. Like you want to take as few strides as yeah. possible. You know, why would you waste time and energy by taking many strides? Whereas Michael's whole thing was like, if I've got my feet under me and I'm pushing off more often, I'm going to be putting more power into the ground. I'm going to be carrying yeah. myself further. And so he completely transformed um, the science. So it was really impactful for me as a developing runner to start realizing that you can learn a lot about running, not by running, but actually by reading and researching and, and, and trying different things. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. 2000 Sydney Olympics, Sydney, uh, Sydney, Australia. We're back in Australia. Kathy Freeman wins the 400 meter event celebrating and pushing for unity as she holds up the Australian and Aboriginal flags together. Where were you, Andrew, when the 2000 Olympics were on? 2000, I was still in the States. Uh, I was still in the States. Um, was I 16? Yeah, I was 16. I was in high school. 15, and and, and what, what, what did you take from it? Because yeah, as an Australian, it was massive. It Do you was... know, I didn't, I don't think I really understood it because as an American, as a, as a young American, really not knowing much other than Crocodile Dundee, right? Uh, I always thought Australians and Aboriginals just kind of, they were just, I, I, I basically thought Australians and Aboriginals were the same people mm. because, you know, that's all I knew about Australia was not anything, uh, was nothing. And... So I don't think I really understood it. But looking back now and actually have been living here for over a decade now, um, it's totally, totally different, totally different. It's just, again, one of those things where, you know, I guess you would liken it in in the States to the uh, Native Americans and Hmm. and the uh, Americans living there now, uh, you know, same sort of same sort of thing. You know, the, the Europeans that come in, they take what they want give nothing back kind of thing. And so I didn't really get it. Um, But now just very, I can only imagine the controversy, the impact, whether it's positive or negative at the time would have, would have been insane. 
I think it was, I mean, Australians love to be winners. We love to be winners yeah. in the field of sports. We love to be this small island country that puts out, you know, as many medal winners per capita as many of the, you know, the bigger countries that have more population and more money. Um, mm. The Olympics, the Sydney Olympics were massive uh, in terms of the fact that it was regarded as such a successful event. But the amount of pressure that Cathy Freeman had on her going into that event, you know, lighting or being part of the, t the opening ceremony and the torch lighting, and then going out and running her event in that um, kind of suit with the hood and the long yeah. sleeves and everything. So at that yeah. time, Australian swimmers were having a lot of success in the water with these full body swimsuits. And so people kind of went, well, why don't we put our athletes in that as well? And so on the track, you had, you know, the rest of the women's field was in singlets and shorts. And Kathy was in this tight hoodie type thing and the, like you know, the long suit. sleeves like a bathing yeah. suit exactly yeah. um that's what they're running now more often more often than not they uh, are they, like, you know, like it, it makes theory like you know compress, it's aerodynamic you know aerodynamic. Yeah. but she stood out and so to go out there with i mean if she had not won i don't know what would have happened the fact that she did yeah. win was must have been such a relief i cannot imagine what it would be like to be her to run with that pressure like literally you know, the weight I, of a country on her shoulders. Yeah, I think it goes back to the 60s Olympics where, you know, I think these athletes, they know what they want to go out there and stand for. For them, it's not just I want to go out and win a medal for my country. It's I want to stand for something, some yeah. kind of unity, some kind, some kind of call to action, some kind of something. And I think that that gives them, in their mind – they don't have any choice but to win so that they can get this message across. And I yeah. think that, that gives them that extra edge. And, you know, God bless them. I think I'm so glad that these uh, things were able to be done. You know, I mean, yeah, if, if she had, if she doesn't, if she didn't win, Kathy Freeman and that statement doesn't happen. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so Kathy out on the track uh, won the 400 meter event. Also in the women's track, Marion Jones, um, the Belizean American athlete, um, just went crazy. Um, she was winning everything in the 100 and 200 meter events. She won three gold medals and two bronze medals on the track at the Summer Olympics, but was later stripped of her medals after admitting to steroid use. And this was an enormous one. This was when I think we had access now to what we commonly think of as the modern media cycle, where rather yeah. than waiting for books to be written or waiting for newspapers to be published, things were starting to get out online. And this is where I think that story and, and people starting to really understand the systemic problem that the Olympics had with drugs. We'd seen back in the 80s with the German swimming teams and a lot of stuff in the water being involved. Uh, but this was when I think the track really started to get the focus of, of drug use, especially coming after just 12 years after Ben Johnson um, getting suspended yeah. for his male event. I think everyone kind of thought naively, well, the women wouldn't be doing that. Maybe the men would be taking all these drugs, um, but the women wouldn't. Meanwhile, the West German women's team in the pool in the 80s were notorious for, for those sorts of things. And so Marion Jones was like, again, another lightning rod for drugs in the Olympics. Uh, and, and I think the first one where they really went hard and stripped the athlete um, of the medals so quickly after the event when she was proven yeah. found guilty. And, and she fought that for a long time. And there was a whole bunch of court cases and denials. And it was this, it was that. It, it was just, and it all played out, I think, for the first time um, in the public's eye. Oh, wow. Do you know, any of the, any of this stuff, any of these milestones 
like I would watch a movie about. Exactly. It's incredible. Isn't like it? just listening to that, I would I would watch a movie about that. Maybe there is one that I don't know about, but like all of this stuff, like man, make movies about this stuff. Yeah. If you're in Hollywood and listening, if you can film uh, make movies about this stuff. And it goes back to one of my moments I spoke about before. So it's when Flojo uh, in the 80s was competing. She um, had a very different physique to a lot of the other yeah. women that were racing. And so people yeah. accused her of being a doper as well. Now, she attributes it to being one of the first women athletes to go, you know what? I should probably say, think about lifting for power. What sort yeah. of running am I trying to do here? I'm trying to really propel myself forward. So she credits it to doing a lot of squats, a lot of strength training, which was not that usual for women athletes at the time. Um, yeah. But there was a bunch of controversy about Flojo, and she actually died quite young um, for an athlete. She was only in her late 30s when she passed away. Um, and I think when Marion came along uh, and went through, you know, again, a completely different physique um, and dominated mm. on the track so well, you know, we're never going to escape. I think when you've got the Olympics carrying so much prestige, there are going to be people who are going to look for that extra advantage, be it drugs or illegal performance enhancers, uh, to try and get mm. that extra 1%. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Look at Lance Armstrong, right? Yep, exactly. Man, that was a shocker. <laughs> you know what I don't understand, Andrew? What's that? Why do these athletes go and take performance enhancing drugs when the secret to performance is right there? It's generation you can. It's the smarter energy nutrition that is powered by Superstarch, a slow release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. I feel good because they're our sponsor. You feel good when you use their product. Why aren't these athletes onto it? I don't know. Like, I'm talking, dude, I would never feel like I needed to take anything illegal to keep my performance as best as possible when I have Generation You Can by my side because they are the company that helps you utilize that fattest fuel to keep you from hitting that wall to make sure that you're constantly hitting that prime and perfect performance. You know what, folks? It's so good, it might as well be illegal. It's not, but ah, it could be. It's, it's that good. Indeed, it's totally, totally that good. Chocolate peanut butter is my favorite in terms of the snack bars, which I use, of course, and the protein-enriched powder, either flavor, any of them are great. Uh, you want to head over to generationyoucan.com.au, check out a full list of their supplies, their lines, how you can use them, and you can use the coupon code Breaking the Barrier for 15% off your first purchase. That's Generation Ucan, the best choice for steady energy. Moving forward, uh, the next couple are yours, I believe. So 2004, yeah, we went back to Athens, Greece. Um, so uh, anniversary uh, of, I don't know, they, there was some date to do with it, but we were back in Greece for some reason. Um, and the marathon, the actual event that we uh, love so much, was held on the same route of the 1896 Games. So that first modern Olympics, um, the marathon followed the same route. Um, that was also uh, notorious for Paula Radcliffe in the women's marathon, uh, was the strong favorite, the British runner, to go out there and, and win that event. And she bombed, she hit the meta, you know, the bonk, the wall, whatever it was, uh, yeah. crashed out spectacularly. Um, and let, I think it was the Japanese runner, Mizuki Nagochi, uh, to win the gold in that event. Um, Meanwhile, in the men's event, <laughs> this was interesting, with less than 10 kilometers to go and leading the race, Brazilian runner Vandalai Cordeiro de Lima was nice. attacked by an Irish priest. So Irish priest Neil Horan jumped out of the crowd and grabbed Vandalai 
and dragged him back into the crowd. And Delima uh, managed to get out from the crowd and recovered to take the bronze medal, but probably should have won the gold medal. But he was awarded the Pierre de Cotterbin Medal for Sportsmanship, who, of course, is the founder of the modern Olympic, whose name we mispronounced before and I mispronounced again just now. Well, I mean, to be fair, we don't know. Maybe one of us got it right. There's, statistically, there's a chance we did. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so interesting. Two two interesting things in the in the Athens Marathon. An Irish priest drags a marathoner out of. It sounds like the beginner of a uh, beginning of a joke. I, I don't know why he did it. Did he have? Was he trying to make a symbol? Was he drunk? Was he trying to? I don't think he like the, the chances of an Irish. It's kind priest, of racist that you assume that he was drunk just because he's Irish. Well, I'm just trying to work out that the chances <laughs> of an Irish priest having a personal vendetta against a Brazilian marathon runner. I just yeah. don't, it doesn't compute to me. So I'm thinking no. there was something else happening there. Yeah, right. I got to look into that because I hadn't heard of that before. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of fun. <laughs> good good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, uh, there's your basketball factoid again. Go yeah, for it. America lost in the basketball again in 2004. So, sure. What do you have against America, man? Nothing. What's with you in the racism today? Hey, no, listen, I'm a, I live vicariously through the American Olympic team. And uh, nice. yeah, after 1992 in Barcelona, to have them lose again, like, you know, 12 years later, just didn't make a whole bunch of sense. You would have thought after watching yeah. the 1992 Olympics that America was never going to lose a game by less than 50 points. And, well, yeah, do you know and, why? It's because, like, do you, do you remember the Harlem Globetrotters? Yes. I feel like all they need to do is bring the Harlem Globetrotters to the Olympics every year. Because they're not a competitive team, obviously. But if you bring them to the Olympics, they're not losing. Okay. Ever. You know the Washington Generals they play against, uh, you know, quote-unquote, paid to lose. Like, they don't actually... Like, those games are scripted. You're scripted. I'm not scripted at all. If I was scripted, this podcast would be a lot better. That's a good point. (laughs) Whatever, man. (laughs) Just shut up. Okay. I'm going to move on. Move on. No, man. Like, <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. I don't like your logic. 2008. <laughs> Beijing, China. Uh, here we go. Usain Bolt. He wins his first Olympic gold medal and breaks the world record for the 100-meter sprint at 9.69 seconds. Wow. Where is he going? He's That's frozen. Insane. He's looking quite awkward right now. Just Are you frozen or are you just taking that in? No, I'm... I'm you were frozen. Oh, you... You were frozen. Well, the recording will show that you were frozen, so that's the well, truth. Well, it'll show that you were also frozen. Okay. So well, maybe let's go back. Okay. Us- <laughs> 2008. Usain Bolt wins his first Olympic gold medal and breaks the world record for the 100-meter sprint at 9.69 seconds, and I have deja vu. <laughs> Incredible. The Beijing Olympics were, firstly, just over the top um, because Beijing yeah. went and spent a truckload of money. Um, but this was the start of you know, spoilers, for me, the greatest, uh, the lead up to the greatest moment ever uh, in track uh, on the, in the Olympics, which was the same, winning his first four by 100 metre uh, relay, 200 metres and the 100 metre sprint, uh, all in the one Olympics. But unfortunately, uh, it later turned out, you know, in 2017, nine years after this Olympics, Usain Bolt was stripped of his four by 100 relay gold from Beijing because his teammate, Nesta Carter, uh, was found guilty of a doping violation. And so that means for a while he had the triple-triple of the 100 metres, 200 metres, and 4 by 100 all in different events, uh, but mm. he lost that. So, yeah. Bummer. Tough. Um, and that's only because his teammate was, you know, yeah. that sucks. But, you know, 
2012, London. Uh, Mo Farah, this... Oh, this isn't mine. Sorry, you go. So, well, it's okay. You can talk about these ones. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy for no, you. No, no, I'm talk. afraid to talk about your stuff. Well, Mo uh, Farah. So, Mo Farah, the, the great um, you know, track athlete in that middle distance, uh, won the five... 1,000 meter and 10,000 meter double, which has been done a couple of times. Um, but again, in London, UK, a British athlete going out and, and winning that. And we've spoken before how hard it is to run a 5K or a 10K fast. Like yeah. he must've just been going flat out and to pull up and win them both again, back to back is just incredible. Ridonkulous. Yeah. Meanwhile, Usain wins the 100 meters, 200 meters and four by 100 meters again. And as an Australian, I have to point out that Jared Talent won the 50-kilometer walk. Um, there you go, walk fans. We spoke about it at least once during the podcast. Wait, is there a 50K walk in the Olympics? Yeah, there's a 50K walk in the Olympics. It kind of follows like, the marathon course, uh, but then goes a little bit extra. Like there's a walking event in the Olympics? Yeah, absolutely. The walking event's a big deal. They, they have The judges have little paddles. And so if they I detect watched, you running, they hold up a this? paddle and you get three warnings. If you get a fourth warning, you're out. There was okay. one, I think at one of the Olympics, there was a, a female athlete who was disqualified as she was coming into the stadium. So she'd sure. done the entire event, but she missed a judge signaling to her like 10 kilometers earlier that she'd been disqualified. So as yeah. she came into the stadium thinking she was going to win, they pulled her aside and said, you're disqualified now because she'd been running during the event. Oh but man. She, she broke down at the entrance and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Wow. Is that a new event? I, I swear to God, I've never watched it. Oh, no, I think or heard been, about it. Well, it's been there since at least 2012 when an Australian yeah, right. won it. So, yeah. That's fair enough. Okay, there you go. Uh, moving on to 2016. This one is my personal favorite in Rio in Brazil. Uh, a true example of camaraderie and support is shown when U.S. runner Abby DiCostino helps New Zealand runner Nikki Hamblin cross the finish line after injuring herself in a collision. So basically these are a collision in the race, not a car collision or anything. Uh, these are two opposing countries, well, competing com uh, countries, and one country is just helping the other cross the line. Do you know what? That's my favorite thing. That's my favorite one that we've spoken about because it's so symbolic and just... You know, what I love about the running community is yeah. that camaraderie, that loyalty, that uh, that helping hand. And, you know, it just it kind of reminds me of that scene in Rocky Four. you know, at the end when he's like, you know, if I can change and you can change and we all can change. And it's like one of those moments where it's like, you know what, if two countries can do this for each other. I don't know. It's naive, but what the hell? Yeah, the Olympics brings out a bunch of terrible things that we've spoken about, but it also can bring out some wonderful moments of, of humanistic behavior. And, and um, hopefully she won that uh, that sportsmanship medal uh, that we spoke yeah. about earlier for that. Um, in 2016, Rio in Brazil, big one for me. So Elliot Kipchoge won his marathon gold medal. And, and that was, I think, the cherry on the top of the Sunday for him to be the greatest marathon runner of all time to have an Olympic gold. I think you need to have an Olympic gold medal to, for your case to be unassailable. I think there's just something about yeah. the prestige of the Olympics that you need to have that on your resume. I mean, it'd be weird. He's the fastest marathoner in the world. If he didn't have a gold medal, it's like, mm. Yeah, but I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, the Olympics is every four no. years. Um, you know, you have to, as we've spoken about as an elite marathon runner, time your races around that to make sure you don't peak That's so right. early. Um, it's not what he'll be remembered for. No one will ever remember his Olympic gold medal as the first thing. It will be his dominance in the Berlin Marathon over the last couple of years will be the world record he had there in, two years later in 2018. But of course, it's the first thing that's going to be mentioned in his obituary or whatever is going to be the fact that he was the first person to go under two hours uh, in Vienna, Austria, 
And that's what makes him the greatest marathoner of all time. There, may, there will yeah. be a faster runner. You know, there will be oh, yeah. a, a better athlete in the future, but he will absolutely be the greatest marathon. But there will never be another first. He was first, yeah. Um, yeah. And that kind of segues into my, the top 10 moment, number one moment I've ever seen on the track in the Olympics was absolutely a same bolt doing that three Olympics, three 100 meters plus the 200 meters. Um, I just don't know. Does that make him the greatest athletics athlete of all time having done that? Or is he just the best? Like, where would you put a Sane Bolt up against Carl Lewis, who was also an excellent runner on the track, but then also had the ability to go do the long jump? Um, and when he was a junior, competed high jump as well. You know, I don't know. Carl Lewis set the bar back in the 80s for the track yeah. and field and, and made it popular. Perhaps he's the greatest athletics athlete? Yeah, well, it, it kind of goes back to what you were just saying about Elliot Kipchoge. There will be faster runners of course, but he has, he's just, he's the greatest because he's done so many things for the sport. Uh, I mean, obviously Usain Bolt has as well, um, you know, in comparison to, to Carlos, but yeah, it's just, I mean, there's so many things that you can take into account. I think it's hard. It really is hard. You're right to name like a greatest athlete in anything because there's so much that these people do. Yeah. Um, there's impact hard. to promote the sport and also, I guess, set the scene for people um, to come after them. So I think we do yeah. give a little bit of emphasis to the first to do stuff. Um, so, but, but yeah, saying just absolutely that. And that was just, again, another one where the whole, I'm going to say the whole world stopped to watch that, to see, could he actually do it? Could he win yeah. the hundred meters? Because going into the, 2016 olympics he hadn't had great form he'd lost a couple of races he'd finished seconds and third but he was just saving himself he he is a man who is just spectacularly unafraid of the moment and just wanted to do it on that big stage so you know he was feels like he was using the years leading up to that olympics just as a warm-up and we're talking Absolutely. about 12 years we're talking about dominating the 100 meters event over well over eight years as it turns out just incredible endurance as well so yeah for me yeah. that's my my number one moment on the olympics track is the same bolt yeah amazing love it well that now brings us to 2020 tokyo japan the olympics that are to be continued so, I mean, I, they'll be in 2021. They'll give us the exact date for it. We'll still call it the 2020 Olympics. Um, mm. I don't know what that means for the entire track and field calendar, though. Like, what does that do for the World Championships, which are held every, th every, every other year? Like, they kind of sit in between the Olympics and, and everything. So you've got World Championships that need to shift around now. And sure. I... Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it kind of to, to what you were talking about with elites before uh, it that year. Well, that'll throw off schedules for a lot of people because they have they know that they're training for the Olympics in 20. Then they have a year to train for the next thing mm -hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. And now moving the Olympics to a year, you're going to probably see athletes who would have done really well in certain things now either defer to something else or just not perform maybe as well as they had hoped because they have now events that are closer together than they had originally planned if they don't start if they don't uh try to make up for it i guess yeah and i assume the olympics will still be in 2024 like they're not going to suddenly now change the cadence of the olympics and move it to odd years i imagine no well i would imagine if they're if they're still labeling it as the 2020 olympics they're not gonna i don't yeah. think they're gonna so then it'll be three yeah. years between olympics Interesting. First yeah. time ever. Yeah. 
Um, what one to um, which I was looking forward to, I actually got really. I went and read a whole bunch of articles about the Tokyo Olympics that were written as if they were going to happen, and I yeah. found myself uh, absolutely excited to watch a lady by the name of Shawnee Miller Ubi uh, from the Bahamas, who was basically going to be the female version of Michael Johnson, who won the two hundred and four hundred meters of Atlanta. She was going to do it again. Um, and she had a big chance of doing it. And they were trying to work out how it was going to work because the schedule mm -hmm. for her events was going to be a little bit tricky. And so she was going to have to run one event and really follow up on another. And I was reading sure. about all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this CCC this when it happens. And then I realized the whole thing's been canceled and I need to wait another mm -hmm. year now to see if it'll happen. So, um, but that's, that's the beauty is that, you know, the Olympics are so magical. Even an Olympics that didn't go ahead got me excited to hear the story yeah. about this athlete Shawnee who I've never heard of before and I will be absolutely yeah. trying to track her a year from now when Tokyo does go ahead awesome gives us a lot to look forward to really a lot to look forward to um it, it it will certainly be you know hopefully by the time that these Olympics happen we have that vaccine that we're all hoping for hopefully things have gotten back to some semblance of a normal life again um it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what the next year kind of shows yeah possibly they will also learn a lot from sports that are happening right now and you know the concept of the olympics in a bubble may not be um that that strange i mean the olympic village is already set up where everyone lives there um i think the important thing with these bubble sports the ones that are working properly is that you need to make sure people quarantine properly as they yeah. go in and having no exceptions whatsoever if someone does leave the bubble but maybe no. it's a situation where, you know, we have an Olympic village and we it's just locked down. You go into the Olympic village, coaches, athletes, support staff, and it is a, you know, you're there three weeks before the event and, and there's no spectators and we can still run the event. It, it might be that's how we have to do it. Um, but I, I just, you know, I can't, I hope they don't have to cancel it altogether. Yeah. I, I would love to see the Tokyo Olympics. Yes. Yeah. Especially since, as we spoke about, these these um, cities spend so much money setting up for these events. So we saw, you know, Rio just, you know, four years ago spent so much money on that event. And now a lot of that has fallen into disrepair and has been yeah. abandoned. Um, Tokyo, I think, uh, would be, you know, devastated if it spent, you know, probably billions of dollars and they never actually got the event. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we'll get there. I, I, I think we'll get there. Fingers crossed. Yeah, not going to Indeed. Well, you know, I think we, we talked about a lot today. That's a And we lot probably missed so much as well. Oh, dude, I have no doubt. We, You know, like we said at the beginning of the episode, if there are things that you want us to talk about, shoot us a message because um, there are so many things that, like I said, when I was researching, I, I can probably speak for Zach when he was, so many things that we wanted to put in. I mean, I put in personally a, a lot of things, but I only took a, a handful of things out of that that we talked about so there's a lot of other things that we could have gotten into there's a lot of these moments you could do a whole episode just on yeah oh totally but, but yeah sh shout out in the comments and the feedback uh on facebook or against the podcast remember if you're listening to the podcast go and give it a review five stars thumbs up i don't know what it is click the little purple like button subscribe so that you can learn when new podcasts are coming out uh and yeah we look forward to talking to you next time Absolutely. Then, uh, do you have anything else? Do we have anything else? I think we got everything right. covered. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, then, I've been Andrew. I've been Zach. And this has been the podcast that hopes to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>